Otherwise, with Shadow Twala, see the world from a woman's point of view. A very good day to you, Mzanzi. Welcome to Otherwise Talking Women on SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. I'm Shadow Twala. show is produced by Hazel Makuzeni and Lonagofani. He's our technical producer today. Our contact details are 0892102010, email otherwise at safm.co.za, tweets at SAFM Radio or at Shadow Twala. Now, if you're looking to find and keep love, then look no more. Life coach and author Kachisom Simango has the how-to in her book, The Goddess Mojo Bootcamp. Then Amatafentandabuzo, the passionate Isikosa drama with English subtitles, opened at the Baxter Theatre yesterday, and Pumeza Rashima Toti talks to us about her character, Dolly. But first... Chew on these wise words, The Lunch Bite on SAFM. I looked up the word mojo, and the Urban Dictionary says the word originally means a charm or spell, but now it's more commonly said meaning sex appeal or talent. But what does this say? I got my mojo working, baby. And I'm gonna try it on you. Oh yeah. I got my mojo working baby. And I'm gonna try it out on you. Oh yeah. Well I tried. <laughs> Jimmy Smith takes me back many years. Get my mojo working. Well, guess what? When we come back, uh Gahusom Simang is gonna do just that after this. After the war, the mobile field unit continued its development and we saw more use of outside broadcast equipment. The SABC saw proud service again in 1947. Princess Elizabeth speaking during the royal tour of 1947. On my 21st birthday, I welcome the opportunity to speak to all the peoples of the British Commonwealth and Empire, wherever they live, Whatever race they come from, let me begin by saying thank you. This is a happy day for me. I am grateful and I am deeply moved. As I speak to you today from Cape Town, everywhere I have traveled in these lovely lands of South Africa and Rhodesia have been taken to the heart of their people and made to feel that we are just as much at home here as if we had lived among them all our lives. SAFM celebrates 80 years of conversation. Great stories told by great personalities. SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Kachisam Samang is a life coach and author of the Goddess Boot Camp, a self-proclaimed liberator and cheerleader of women. Her Goddess Academy, established in 2006, inspires women to pursue their heart's truest desires. She, she joins me now on the phone. Kachisam, hello. Hello, how are you? Listen, I want you here with me right now. I'd love to be there, but your there is so far away. There is so far <laughs> away, but so I want you to be my friend for life. Really? I'd love to because I'm a big fan. <laughs> oh, yes, we're friends now. Yay! <laughs> Yay! Listen, tell me briefly, because we, hmm. we need to get into the mojo thing, but briefly, yeah. can we go back to the academy? Which came yes. first, the, the, the book or the academy? The Academy came first because this is my second book, actually. Mm -hmm. I wrote one called The Goddess 
boot camp, just the goddess boot camp, and now the goddess mojo boot camp three years later. You know, it's it's like if you do fast and furious and it's great, you have to do fast and furious too. <laughs> so it's something similar. So 2006, I started my coaching um, foundation, which is the Goddess Academy. And I, I called it an academy because the vision was for me to not only be the only teacher eventually, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, as opposed to just a coaching practice. And then um, I used to write a lot of articles and blogs, and, and then I won, and I got a call from Jaghana one day asking me to write a book. So I wrote the the Goddess Bootcamp first. Wow! I, I tell you, I picked up. I did. I haven't read the Goddess Bootcamp, mm-hmm. but I picked up the Goddess Mojo Bootcamp. Yes, and I thought, oh. Word, somebody has answers to all of this stuff. I mean, where did you find it? You know, it, it was a, a bit of um, serendipity and, and a lot of research. For starters, this is not the book I was supposed to write. I was supposed to write a book on raising goddesses because the first one did really well. It was a bestseller. Mm-hmm. So the, the publisher wanted me to write another one, but they wanted me to write about, because I write about my kids a lot. I probably shouldn't, but I do because, <laughs> you know, kids do the, the cutest, funniest things. But my kids are still small, and I was like, I can't write a book on raising children. What if they turn out to be drug addicts <laughs> and, and sociopaths and whatever? So I'm not comfortable with doing that. But what happened? is that after the first book, I, I started getting a lot of clients, and the first book just focuses on helping you achieve your goals, whatever they may be. Mm-hmm. And I assumed that a lot of women would come to me wanting to, you know, to become the CEO or climb Kilimanjaro or change the world in, in one way or another. But a lot of them just wanted a relationship, you know, a man yeah. or three. And there was a lot of shame around admitting that I just want a man. Mm. Mm. So, so, so it partly came out of that, but it also came from my own struggles as well because I'm, I'm extremely accomplished and a lot of people like who know me like calling me superwoman because seemingly I do a bit more than I should. <laughs> and, and my parents and the people who brought me up taught me how to be so successful externally, but nobody thought it would be important to teach me how to do relationships. Well, that, this is where this is so awesome for me. Mm. You know, you say awesome relationships are an inside job, and that means there's a lot of work we need to do within ourselves. Yes. Now, you also say this book is for the boot camp, the Mojo boot camp, is for women who want uh, to attract a man, mm-hmm. not only one, but two and maybe three. <laughs> Maybe even more. You know why I say that? Um, mm-hmm. Is that the principles are the same. It doesn't really matter whether you want a life partner or you want um, somebody to 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 go hiking with and have another one to cook with or whatever. There's very little moralizing in the book because mm-hmm. often, especially women value relationships a lot more than men value relationships, and often. People who want to control women hook their behavior by threatening them with relationships. For instance, they will say, if you sleep around, you won't get a man. Mm. Why are you buying a house when you're still single? You won't get a man. So Mm. often when people try to control women and and imposing their own set of values on them by scaring them about relationships. So I say that deliberately, say, I don't care what idea of a relationship you have. The principles remain the same and actually has nothing to do with values. So, how do I use this book? Because, um, and, and how do I know, firstly, that I need this book? Well, what I did in the book is that I, I split it into 
four main questions that I got a lot. Um, I, I, I was doing a, a talk two days ago with um, at a book club. It's like a book cartel. You never know these things. Hey? There's a cartel of, of book club women who come together once a month. I walked in and the average age was 70, right? Seven like, zero. Seven zero. So I'm thinking, but you know, this publisher clearly they're, they're, they're trying to, to do me down. And I say to the ladies, who here wants a man? And they just bared me like, <laughs> like, right, you know. But anyway, the, the thing is, all of them, it was so refreshing to have that conversation with them because they were like, so this book is about attracting relationships and whatever. I'm like, yes. And they say, when are you going to write the one about um, managing relationships that you're on? And I'm like, the longest relationship I've had is eight years. I don't think I'm qualified. <laughs> How long have you been in relationships? And they were in relationships, same relationship for 30 years, 40 years, and mm. they felt they were not qualified to write a book. So I wrote about the things I'm qualified to write about. Mm. And the four issues were, why can't I get a man? Because I got that question a lot. There are a lot of women who just can't attract. They don't get hit on at all. You know, and it's a dirty secret. We don't want to say that for the past three years nobody's hit on me. So we say, no, I've been focusing on my MBA or, or I'm more spiritual at the moment or whatever because it's just not okay to say, you know. Or oh, I'm a feminist. Yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm an angry lesbian or whatever <laughs> that might be. I know a lot of attractive lesbians and I know a lot of other people who have lied about it. Everything that I say, I've got the strangest stories in the book and they're all true. That's the thing. You know, when somebody, three sessions into the thing that, you know, I told my family that I'm a lesbian because I can't explain why I'm in the fourth year of not showing up with anyone. Sure. Not even a, a wolf whistle no, around the construction site. You can site. lose all of your mojo, like it literally just flatlines and you think you're invisible. Like nobody, not even, you know, those guys by our slender by nature, not by force. They <laughs> go away like nothing. By nature. <laughs> yeah, you know. Like, <laughs> anyway, we digress. So okay, so the first, one, the first right? is why can't I get a man? Why can't I get a man? Okay. The other one is why do I attract men who suck? Like, so you do uh, get hit on and you do go on a few dates, but it's just these are not the right people. These are not the kind of people you see anything that makes sense mm -hmm. happening. Maybe they are married and um, they lie about it or they want you to be the mistress or the poor or childish or whatever it might be, right? Mm -hmm. But it's not people you find suitable. And then there is the relationships that don't, that, that in a way die prematurely because you, you find that you come across the same problems over and over again. Like, why does he keep on doing that? Mm -hmm. You know, this guy is unreliable. That one is insecure. That one's jealous. And often, I mean, if you get mugged three times, um, in, going down the street, but nobody else gets mugged going down the street. Maybe, you know, you leave your bag open or you're walking around texting all the time and you make yourself an easy target. Once you start having a pattern in your life, mm -hmm. you, you, you should consider the possibility that you are the thing yeah. that, that needs fixing. That needs the inside exactly. job. Yeah, because you are what's common. You are the common denominator around this. And the final one is why am I acting crazy? You know, um, because often you have an idea of how you're going to behave when you're in a relationship and you get into the relationship and this insecure six-year-old takes over. <laughs> and, and you never know when to stop that six-year-old from... Most of the time, you don't even know how to stop that six-year-old. Mm, mm.
So, so that the book mainly focuses on on those. So, if you've been in a relationship comfortably for ten years or whatever, and you want to take it to another level, this is not the book for you. But if these four things sound like the kind of issues you're having, then it's for you. But then, how about people who think they've overcome it? You know, I don't have a relationship. I don't believe in relationships, and they're forty, fifty. And they never been married. I, I spoke about one and who decided to adopt a child uh, yesterday. We we're talking about this uh, because nobody came knocking at their door. So eventually they decided they wanted a family and they went and adopted as single parents. Mm-hmm. And can you does this book help that kind of person who says, look, you know, it's never going to happen. You know, the first one of the first things that I address is under the why can't I get a man thing is it's about internal alignment. The thing with people is that we tend to think that we are unified in our opinions and our wants, but we're not. Like a, a typical example is a diet, right? So while you're lying in bed on Sunday, you're like, you know what? I'm feeling heavy from tomorrow. I'm on a diet and I'm going to run 5Ks. And in the morning, you look outside and it's cold, and then you, you roll over and say, oh, it's great weather to have a Chelsea bun. That alone <laughs> shows that there's two parts of you. You know, there's one that thinks losing weight and being healthier could be the thing to do, and there's another one that thinks carbs are the thing to do. And that applies to absolutely everything in life. You can, you can want two opposing things at the same time. What you tend to, 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 to acquire or, or succeed at, at, at uh, manifesting is the strongest desire. The problem is that people tend to think the loudest desire is the only one they have. So I, I, I've, I've, I've coached a lot of clients who come to me and say, I want to be in a relationship, I want to be married or whatever. And you have a general conversation with them and they tell you things like, um, men are weak. Mm-hmm. You know, I think my mother would have gotten so much further if she wasn't married to my dad. Mm-hmm. I'm too strong for most men. I shine too bright and they're going to want to in my shine and they don't hear themselves say these things and I literally write them down and when we're done I said you told me one reason why you want to get married you said "Uh, my biological talk is ticking and you gave me eight reasons why you don't like men Mm. and they're shocked because they don't hear themselves saying it they just hear that one very loud one that says tick tick tock you know we want a baby and first you need to get yourself in alignment because you're always going to sabotage yourself whether it's conscious or unconscious your true needs are going to override whatever it is you're expressing is there a way or an exercise that can make me understand those negative thoughts or make me find the root of of uh, the reason why I'm not attracting the right guy or even uh, why I, 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 I can't get a man. Can I go to the, the, the root source in any way and, 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 and undo that? Yes, it's actually with relationships, it's really easy because we're bombarded with relationships all the time, right? So all you need to do is literally listen to what you tell yourself about relationships. Wait for the triggers. The song, you listen to the song and you're like, yeah, right, or I'll never have that, or I remember that. There's always a narrative that agrees or disagrees with that, whatever stimulus you got. Or you watch the movie and as the woman walks in and finds her husband sleeping with her cousin, you're like, men are such jerks. You know, there's mm. always, you, you have a background, everybody's got a, a, a narrator as your life happens. And when you listen to what that narrative says, you'll know the actual things that you believe. That's the first thing. The other thing is you should notice the things that you say and agree with with people because generally we tend to hang out with people 
who agree with us, you know. People who think that Malema shouldn't be president don't <laughs> hang out with people who think he should. So you'll find that if if you, you walk around saying, I really want to be married, but all your friends are, are angrily single, chances are, deep down, that is what you resonate with. Another thing that I, I like to do is to deliberately hire movies that reflect what I've said. I'm working on a money issue. Then I will go and get The Wolf of Wall Street and a lot of movies that have to do with money. Mm-hmm. And as I watch them, I'll see, I'll, I'll check who I'm rooting for. And okay. it's a gut thing, right? You, that's how you decide who you're rooting for. Yes. Yeah, you feel it from your gut. And whoever you identify most with is the, it's the true space you're in as opposed to the one you're telling yourself you're in. So if you're rooting for, for, for the, you know, like there's the, that mousy girl who really, really wants the guy, but the guy is ignoring. <laughs> yeah, and then there's the, the, the one who's blonde and shiny. And when she walks into the room, there's a, there's wind blowing through her hair. Whatever you, whoever you're into tends to be how you tend to see yourself. And in your in your story, who are you? Are you the bridesmaid? Are you the bride? Are you the, the wallflower in the corner? There are ways to see who you really are as opposed to who you think you are. Because what trips us up is who we think we are is not often who we are. So I found out who I am. What do I do with that information? You change. It's usually often about belief because... I, actions are dictated by the things that we believe. So you focus on changing your beliefs. And the one thing that I, I say to everybody all the time is that one of the greatest ways I've found to change your beliefs is a technique called EFT, um, and not the one where money ends up in your bank. You know what so, I? You know so, what I did when I got to the EFT part? Yes, I yes. then went to the website to yeah. do the tapping technique. And did it work out for you? It, it, it just kept me there for too long in, in, instead of coming back here because you need to make that. Okay, let me let, me let you explain what EFT is. Okay. All right, so EFT is called, it actually stands for Emotional Freedom Technique. And um, you can Google it. You can go into that, that, the website. And I thought the right thing to do in the book is to direct you to the one that is um, by the founder, Gary Craig. But if you go to YouTube, you'll get like millions and millions of videos you can tap along to. So if somebody wants to learn about it very quickly, go to YouTube, rather, and, and Google Emotional Freedom Technique. Okay. And essentially what it does is like it shifts your – because most e- beliefs that we have – are a result of a big emotion. So you fall off a horse and, and it's sore and you're like, horses are dangerous. You know, mm-hmm. that's how you make that belief. Or it's from repetition when they told you something over and over again, like um, money is the root of all evil. And you heard it so many times that it, it got into your into your system. So EFT is a way of, of shifting that thing very quickly. You can get it done in one session if you're really committed to it. But it saves you years and years of therapy. Um, as opposed to sitting and talking about the problem. You don't need to sit and talk about the problem. You can just go through it. And, of course, it saves you lots of money. Yes, it does. The thing that I like about EFT is that you don't need to know your problems very well. I find that a lot of other therapies spend too much time getting to know your problem. You know, you become an expert at what's wrong with you. Mm -hmm. 
and we're interested in getting past what's wrong with you, you know. So EFT is great at just fixing it. Sometimes you don't even know, need to know what it was about. So you, you must quickly identify and then move along to yes. to, to Yes, to yes, we're big on moving along. <laughs> Move along to deal with the problem. Let's let's talk about. And I, you know, what I love again, Kachis, is that while we're talking about relationships, but one can use the exercises in this book for your general situation in life, every situation you find yourself in. Is that true? Yes. The thing is, actually, the first book, The Goddess Boot Camp, was very, very general about that. It was just basic okay. principles of how. To, to be the one who's in charge of your life and to acquire the things that you want. The thing is, we all want something, and where we trip at is that often we're trying to control things that are outside of us to get us whatever we want, whether it's a job or a new body or a relationship or whatever. But the only person you can really control is yourself, right? So if you can learn the techniques that help you modify yourself or encourage yourself or get rid of beliefs or whatever to acquire your goals, that's a lot more effective. So this one just zoomed into relationships, but you can zoom out again and use the exact same principles on anything. So let's talk about the mojo bit. Mm-hmm. I, 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 as I said, I looked in the dictionary. It's about your charm or your spell or, you know, sex appeal maybe even or talent. Yeah, it's your attractive factor. Um, it's the thing that you use to attract things to you. And sometimes I use the example like, because it's great that we're on radio, that when you want a particular station, you want to be on SAFM, you know which frequency to tune into, ah, you know, ah. exactly. And then you get a certain um, radio station, and if you're not interested in that, you change. So the things that you attract into your life, and not just relationships, the kinds of um, friends, jobs, opportunities, problems, have to do with your mojo. And, and it's like, actually, it's nice that I say that, because it's like, you know, with accidents and stuff like that, they tend to come in a whole bunch, you know, you go through a phase where you're very accident prone or or you or you lose money in odd ways. First your geezer burst, then you drive over a pothole or whatever. It's like that's what your mojo is putting out at the time. And and if you dislike the kind of people you're attracting or not attracting or the kind of problems you're having in relationships, you can't change that by avoiding what's happening on the outside if that's what your mojo is putting out. So... <laughs> You know, and we grew up knowing that everyone, that we, there's a saying that they happen in threes. So you're almost inviting the next one to happen when you've experienced uh, something negative in, your, in one's life. Somebody yeah. will say, oh, it happens in threes. So where's the, where's the third one? Or where's the second one coming from? Yeah, there was a, there's a saying. Remember that book? I'm assuming you read it because I think everybody has. Um, the Alchemist. Yes, yes. Yes. There yes. was a saying in The Alchemist. It took me years to, to get it. Life had to happen to me first to understand it. Um, where um, the alchemist um, said to that boy that was traveling, I forget the name now, that if something happens to you once, it will never happen again. But if it happens twice, it will surely happen for the third time. Yes. Right. And it's really about that, that if something happens to you more than once, then you are the source of it, you know. And you're the one that needs to change it. Yes, yes. You are magnetizing that stuff. So you, you, and, and people tend to confuse that with blame. Are you saying that this happened to me because it's my fault? No, not saying it's your fault, but you're saying that you are the point of attraction and there, there are things that you can change or do differently in order to avoid that thing happening to you again. Let's talk about affirmations. You know, do, do, when you do discover that root and you, you're now talking yourself out of it, do affirmations work and how should we be using affirmations? 
Affirmations work in a couple of ways, and they are not, people seem to be under the impression that they're like abracadabra, so maybe, <laughs> and then something. Magic wand. Yes, mm. you know. One of the ways that affirmations work very, very well is that they reveal to you your, your, your real beliefs. Like we're talking about now, how do you find your beliefs? So if you feel that you want to be the next CEO of I'm the SABC, God knows why. <laughs> anyway, so you like, so because you say affirmations in the present tense, right? I, Kachizom Simango, is the, I am the CEO of the SABC, and I say it over and over again. As I say it, what I truly believe will pop into my head. It's like you start having an argument with yourself, like you don't have enough experience, you're not a card-carrying member of the ANC, you don't know the right people. So whatever you truly believe will argue with that statement. Then you'll know what you need to address, you know, and then you can do stuff like EFT to change that, that the real belief as opposed to the need that's making the noise. That's the first thing. The other thing that affirmations do is that it's like it puts a filter um, um, in what you, in your awareness. It's a, a, an example I like to use that a lot of people can relate to. Well, I guess the women can relate to it. When you think you're pregnant, whether you want to be pregnant or not is not an issue. But the minute you think you're pregnant, pregnant people literally pop up everywhere. Like, <laughs> everyone's pregnant, right? Paramone, please stand the line for me. Okay. <laughs> We're taking news headlines now with Simpu and Longwan. Otherwise, with Shadow Twala, see the world from a woman's point of view. My guest is a life coach and author of bestseller, The Goddess Bootcamp. And we're talking about the Goddess Mojo Bootcamp, where awesome relationships are an inside job. And we're talking about affirmations with Kahi. So so you've given us the first one. And your second one was about pregnancy, where you attract whatever it is you're thinking or you're wanting. Yes. So when you say an affirmation over and over again, like you're saying that I am financially free and wealthy, you start noticing um, articles about financial freedom, wealth creation. You start noticing how much money you spend on things. You know, you bring it to the forefront, and then it gives you the ability to act accordingly as opposed to when it's something that you're doing unconsciously. So I would say those are the two primary ways that affirmations work. The third one that's not the most effective, because you're saying it in the present tense, there's a you you get this tension this discomfort because it's not true right at the moment you are not yes um um financially free and wealthy so often what happens with that discomfort that comes from lying is that you either stop saying the affirmation or you start doing the things that start getting you there so it doesn't sound that it doesn't feel uncomfortable when you say it Okay, so are you always saying it in the first person then? Yes, you yeah, you can say it in the first, second, and third. So you can say, Kachiso is fabulously um, wealthy and financially free. Kachiso, you are, I am. Okay. I'm, I'm surprised we've had this conversation now and you haven't used the word hun or honey because that's how you refer to us in the book. Yes, I do, but I <laughs> the, the book is really... Um, Tongue-in-cheek? Yeah, you know, I say all the things that need to be said, and 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 a lot of them are not soft. I tend to call a spade a spade instead of a gardening tool because it saves time. Um, but but then people tend to to sometimes feel like it's it's harsh. So when you yell at someone and then say honey, it's a bit, it's, a bit <laughs> it's it has a softer landing. Yes, yes, yes. Now let's talk about journaling because as one does affirmations because. You you ask us in your book to to really, and I suppose one either sits with you and you do the writing, 
or then if one is working on their own, they have to be writing some of these some of these answers to themselves. In, so, so the journaling bit becomes very important. Yeah, um, I always encourage people to write things out because it we. We have a lot of thoughts we don't finish. You know, you think about this and you think about that and you think about that. But as soon as you have to write something out, you have to think it through. That's the first thing. And then the second thing is that it also engages your body. It becomes much more real because you have to write it out. Mm-hmm. And then you produce it. There it is on paper. So, so it increases the level of your commitment to something as opposed to just thinking about it. So when are we having these boot camps? Uh, are you going to travel around the country and, and come and talk to different women? Um, and how does one have a, gain a one-on-one with you? Um, okay, this is going to sound weird because I'm a life coach, right? Mm. But the reason that I spend so much energy writing books is that I actually don't like coaching people. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I am not too big on the one-on-ones at the moment. However, what I do tend to do is that I'll create um, programs similar to the book, but that focus on a specific thing, mm-hmm. or I'll do a workshop when there's a lot of people, okay. and then I will, and then I will put it out either on Facebook or on Twitter or on my website, and they're all pretty much is either Kahusom Semango or the Goddess Academy. So if you Google one or the other, you'll mm-hmm. find out what's going on, and I. I, I did a book launch in Pretoria last week. I'm doing one today in Joburg at, in Hyde Park, 6 for 6.30. Everyone's welcome. And, and then I'll plan out the rest around the country okay, um, as I'm, time goes by. I take it you're going to do a, 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 a launch in, in Cape Town then soon. I hope so. I just, I just have never been able to understand Cape Town people, to be honest. How do I get a crowd to come out? Well, we'll introduce you to Cape Town people. We do that very well. So. Okay, so I'll, I'll give you a shout when I'm, I'm, I'm ready. Yes, yes, for, no, for, we, for we, we, do, we do. We'll introduce Cape Town to you and you to Cape Town, okay? I'd love that. No, now that's that what, we're besties. Yes. <laughs> now that we're besties. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I mean, this is gorgeous. And then the book is in the bookstores now, right? It is. It's actually been out for a um, uh, It came out early April. And then it's sold out. So it's in a, it's reprinting at the moment. So if you're going to a bookstore and they say they don't have it, order it. And then when it comes through again, you'll get it. Because I have people who come to say, oh, no, they didn't have it. I'm like, but it's okay to say, please. Please, can, I, can like, you yes. order it for me? Yeah. Before I let you go, though, um, what should we be teaching our young people, um, you know, about exactly what we're talking about, about our mojo? and about relationships mainly because I don't want young girls to be going through what we went through and, you know, all the 70-year-old women that you're talking to as well. You know, if I were to pick one thing is is that the relationship that you have with yourself sets the standard for absolutely every single relationship you have with everybody else from potential husband, boyfriends to employees to friends to whatever. So if you get that one right, and getting it right also involves being honest about your needs. Like when I was saying at the beginning, a lot of women don't even want to admit that I want a man, you know, Mm. or I want to stay at home and bake cookies. No, I don't want to be the CEO. Is be, if you decide how you would treat your best friend, because generally that's a good way of having a sense of how to love yourself, because people are confused by the whole 
self-love thing and, and think <laughs> what how how do I treat my best friend actually not how how do I treat my best friend and then uh, form that relationship with yourself the better you treat yourself the harder it is for other people to treat you badly because they can sense in your mojo you know what your standards are and already it filters out a lot of rubbish wow well said thank you so much bestie. thank you this was fun hey? thanks bestie Okay, bye-bye. <laughs> Thank you so much. She's a life coach and author. Um, and look out for the Goddess Bootcamp and the Goddess Mojo Bootcamp books. And you've got to have your own because I think it's, it, it should be your best friend. And in, until you get to that space that makes you comfortable with yourself. But I've bought one for, for a few women around me already, uh, young girls especially, so that, you know, they, 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 they get to find themselves in the book. When we come back, um, we will be talking to Pumeza Rashemadoti and, uh, just one minute, one minute, my producer's trying to tell me something. Um, so we'll take a break and come back. Something has come naturally to SAFM, SAFM. like being SA's news and information leader. leader. SAFM, 104 to 107. My apologies, Maria Petusi, who's the director at Target Group Index South Africa, and we're just trying to understand when the malls open and everybody just flows to them, and... I, I just wonder, why do we behave the way we do? And Maria is going to give us some answers. Hello, Maria. Hello, Shada. Hello, listeners. Uh, you, you are in, my, in our Johannesburg studios. Thanks for coming in. Thank you for having us. Now, what is this madness that gets us to queue for hours just to taste coffee because the brand is from the U.S.? What is, you know, just give us some insight into our behaviors and our attitudes as far as spending in South Africa is concerned. So we always say that consumers are highly complex, and I always say that women just add another complexity to that. But in essence, what really drives consumers um, are a number of functional and rational factors, but the real drivers are our emotions. Um, and it could never be as best summarized by Maya Angelou, who says people will never f- will forget what you said, people will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. And we've seen through um, numerous research studies, um, and there's a global one which I'd like to refer to now, in terms of whether consumers are positive, um, in terms of their emotional disposition or negative, how they've really worked and uh, had perceptions of a bank. So the positive consumers, 58 of them, uh, 58% of them purchased a new product when they were happy. Mm-hmm. 29% of them actually felt that the bank improved even though the bank did nothing. And 13% of them increased the value of their products purchased at the bank. However, those were that, that were negative, 28% of them thought that the, the bank actually worsened, but the bank actually did nothing different. Mm-hmm. 23% bought at another bank. 20% stopped the product which they had with the bank. 15% switched their main bank and 14% decreased the value of their products purchased at the bank. So dependence on our emotional being and how we are, it really does influence how we interact with retailers, brands, um, and most things around us. So it, 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 
Because I'm thinking the advertiser, that's, that's the one person that really gets us first, right? Yes. Is the advertiser and the way whatever brand it is is communicated to us. And they then appeal to what? Our, 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 our behavior at the time or our state of mind at the time? What is it that they appeal to that they get so right that influences for instance, how we spend, because we're sitting in a serious economic, uh, uh, you know, position at the moment in South Africa. We don't have much money to spend. Things are costing lot, lots more than usual, but people still find themselves going out in large numbers to, to spend. Absolutely, they definitely do. And it's quite interesting to look at the evolution of what actually talks to consumers today versus a couple of years ago. And the insights which I'd like to source from are um, the Ask Africa Icon Brand Survey, which is the largest brand benchmark in South Africa. It interviews over 15,000 South African consumers on an annual level. Um, in 1970, in the 70s, quality and functionality were most important to South African consumers. So they'd go out and get a product which would actually fulfill a need, which was great at that point in time. In the 90s, a brand and its price were most important to local consumers. So the brand could be expressing the consumer's personality, and of course the price point would need to be right. In 2000, it, would, it was about service, and I think service is, of course, a hot topic, mm. together with information and delivery um, of the promise which a brand makes. But what is important now to consumers is the emotional brand experience. It's what it makes us feel. And if we actually look at the winners of the Icon Brand Survey, the most recent survey, uh, what actually differentiates those brands? One of the elements, of course, is that those brands talk to consumers personally, so they get the consumer. And I'll never forget a quote which one of our respondents mentioned in terms of, I know who Coke is. Does Coke know who I am? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I think consumers, especially because of their access to social media, really express so much of themselves. So um, engagement with and of brands definitely needs to be personal. It needs to be relevant. And there's nothing like a good story which a brand can tell. It really makes it alive. And consumers feel that brands need to converse with them on their terms um, in terms of not only being aspirational but actually being provocative in a way, um, bringing out that emotion um, and also serving a higher order system or purpose. I hear you. And I'm thinking, yes, I love the fact that brands talk to me. But when I, I have to be in debt to be that desperate to, to get to that um, to spend on spend money that I don't have, how do I understand the the, the danger of that? While I understand why um, I, I, I need that brand. Yes, it's 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 a definite reality in today's society and in South Africa in terms of tighter wallets and and um, um, disposable income. What we actually saw and how that it did affect brands is that consumers are loyal to brands, however, they would use them less frequently. Ah. So let's say my favorite brand is um, Koo Baked Beans uh, or Coca-Cola. Those are the brands which I will buy, but I may buy them less frequently than I did in the past. Mm -hmm. So so 
uh, I mean, all of us, yeah, all of all of us are wanting to go and do some shopping. So when is the next survey being done? Because we we you must yeah. you must keep on feeding us all these surveys. We so that definitely we will. Um, we're releasing the next survey in July um, this year, which will of course just look at the movements in terms of um, brand loyalty. Um, what was also quite interesting um, is we did a recent survey in the township community, and because you mentioned what price is, so our township survey is the Kazi Star brand survey, which interviews just uh, under 5,000 nationally representative township consumers. So price is, yes, the most um, important factor in terms of purchasing um, into the market, but it is decreasing in importance. So as we see with all our surveys being the Icon brands and National View or the Kazi Star brands being a township view, is that price is starting to be a hygiene factor. So the customer experience is definitely not functional anymore. Quality is also becoming quite hygiene. But what South African consumers are asking for are social and sensory experiences which really resonate with the heart. So which, which did you say Ikasi? Kazi, Kazi Star Brand Survey. Okay, and what, what differentiates it from the other kind of surveys you do? Um, yes, yeah, so the Kazi Star Brand Survey really looks at a national representation of South Africa's townships. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, in terms of township, we really are saying people living in a similar area. Okay. So we don't necessarily see that the township community is significantly different to the average South African community. There are different pockets and target markets within the township community. Um, uh, what, what really interests me from that survey is that township consumers really do move between developed and developing markets, um, and it adds an extra complexity in terms of understanding these township consumers and what it takes to actually stretch their budget because they won't really skimp on purchases. They'll really look at it in a collective, smart manner, which is quite enabling, for example, Stockfells. Yeah, no, 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 for sure. And and are the brands that are obviously are more popular in, 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 in townships than in other areas? What is quite interesting is, yes, there are differences uh, between our National Icon Brand Survey and the Kazi Star Brand Survey, but there are also commonalities. So we actually see a a Coca-Cola, a Nokia, for example. Those are brands which are used most loyally by national South African consumers as well as within the township. And I think what also really makes local consumers tick is we're proud of our local brands. So if when looking at the winners of the Icon Brand Survey, we saw that a lot of those brands are locally produced and owned. And, of course, I just think that brings across another emotional application. Maria, somebody may have uh, interest in, in the kind of surveys you do. Where do we find you? Where do we find them? Uh, is you, there a website? Absolutely. Um, www.askafrica, spelled with a K, .co.za. Askafrica.co.za. Thank you so much for your insights and your time. Thank you for, for you too. <laughs> <laughs> Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Time for our children's program, Shop Shop.